Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, stress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. You know what? This is so important to me and this, this, this mission, this, this, you know, what I have to say. I feel like can help so many people because I just look at my path and where I came from and to where I am now. And I still have a long ways to go. I think we're all ever growing and changing and learning and shifting. Um, but yeah, just from the space of literally, like I would ask if I had to make a decision, doesn't matter how small, small it was, I would ask everybody around me what I should do. And I would never listen to myself. So then when I did something and it failed, I could blame somebody else. Oh, well, you know, Sally said to do this. That is her fault instead of actually listening to myself. Right. So it comes with like a lot of risk. You have to take responsibility for yourself. Um, and so now I just make it a point to just like, if I have to make a decision, I meditate, I journal, I make my own decision. I don't even tell anybody about it. I don't ask for anybody's opinion anymore. Um, because a lot of people, friends, family, very well-intentioned and they want to help you. And in doing so they tell you what to do. Um, and it can be really confusing. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. This week, I'm chatting with Rochelle Christiane. She's a holistic health coach, gut health practitioner, and host of the Emotional Mastery podcast. And in this episode, we dive deep into her journey to finding her identity and trusting herself above others. As a highly emotional person and empath, Rochelle struggled for many years to know who she truly was and to feel safe expressing her emotions. And after leaving an abusive marriage and discovering tools for emotional regulation, she began her podcast as an online journal, and it ended up just becoming so much more than that. I actually met her through the Almost 30 Podcast Accelerator program, and I'm so excited that I've been able to get to know her in this conversation. I just know you're going to get so much out of. So we talk about the most underutilized and free antidepressant, how her journey has impacted her parenting style, the top three practices to help regulate your emotions, how to have healthy relationships with family who are very different from you, and breaking free of toxic relationships. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Rochelle. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, Rochelle and I actually met from the Almost 30 Podcast Accelerator And I'm so excited to have her on to chat about everything that she's doing. So Rochelle, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself, kind of explain a little bit about your story and how you ended up doing what you're doing now. Sure. Uh, So my name is Rochelle. Um, I host the Emotional Mastery Podcast. I am also a holistic health coach, um, and I've just started um, an Ayurvedic studies to become an Ayurvedic practitioner. Um, But a little bit about me. I grew up internationally. I grew up in Dubai. Um, you know, from a human design perspective, uh, launching right into that, (laughs) but I have an open G center. Um, if you're familiar with that or not, um, it's just, it's your identity center. Basically it's whether you create that energy yourself and I don't. So I found myself always being, um, influenced by others, just kind of like wanting to taste, you know, their path, their journey, their likes, their dislikes. And I feel like being raised in such a diverse community, I just never really knew where I fit in. I never understood where I fit in. I was just kind of always, 
seeking answers from the outside as opposed to just like finding it within myself. So this launched me into highly toxic and abusive relationships in my late teens, 20s. I just was so lost. Um, I ended up in an abusive marriage and I just came to the point where I just, I didn't even know who I was anymore. I had two kids at that point and I was just like, I can't, I don't want them to think this is normal. I want them to find themselves. And I just knew it was time for me to leave. And a few months prior to that, I had actually, I had lost my job. So on top of all of it, I didn't have a job. I was now a stay-at-home mom. Um, and so I joined a gym just to get out of my house. I was like, I need to be out of this toxic energy for at least two hours a day, take my kids with me. And like what happened was just, I didn't expect it. It was incredible. I just, it cleared enough of the fog for me to see my life. You know, I was able to really have this higher level perspective and that allowed me to leave my marriage, to see how toxic it truly was to leave my marriage. And I just started this journey of finding out who I was outside of everything else. And then it really shifted when I found human design in gosh, it was 2018, I guess, 18, 19, 2000. One of those two, <laughs> it's been a while, um, but it was just like, for me, it made everything made sense. It was like, I was, I was waiting for this acceptance piece and that human design kind of was that for me. It was just all of these things that I thought were wrong with me that I can now see was just who I was. And so it really allowed me to accept myself. And so within all of that, I've always been pretty health conscious. My mom was always, was a fitness coach um, or fitness instructor when I was growing up. So I was always like aware of the health side of things. Um, but of course, when we're young, we think we're invincible and, you know, drugs, alcohol, food, all the things. Um, but I started this holistic health program, uh, just because it felt really important to me. And that has just kind of, I went from that to gut health and now into Ayurveda and I'm just an ever forever student. And yeah, so that's kind of gotten me to where I am. And my podcast was really just a space to kind of use my voice because that was a thing that I felt like I never had. And so it just kind of started as like an online journal and has just grown to so much more than that. So, wow. That's quite a story. And I mean, I'm so sorry that you went through that with those relationships, but I mean, knowing you now, you're just so strong and like in who you are. So, I mean, that's just amazing and something to be so proud of and for people to like hear and, and see. So, and it's so awesome that it came from something so simple as like working out and going to the gym. So I would kind of love for you to get a little bit more into that. Like what part of that really helped to kind of be the, the Kickstarter to all of these other um, amazing yeah. things in your life? So I think, you know, with my mom being a fitness instructor, she's always pushed the fitness on me. Like in high school, we always had to be in a sport. We were always had to be active, but I was never an athlete. I was never competitive. I'll say that. I didn't care. You could, I would rather you win and be happy than me win. That's <laughs> just like the way I am. So I was the oddball in my family. My parents, everybody, my brother was just highly competitive and I never had that. I never had that in me. Um, so like, I knew, I know the value of working out. I know the value of movement. Um, but I guess I never really understood it. I intellectually knew, but like, I never really made it such a part of my life like that. And so when I started going out, when I started um, working out, I would almost use it as a form of punishment because I was suffering so much inside that to be able to be in the gym for 30 minutes and push myself where all I could think about was how much my body hurt was just such relief. And I don't advocate for people doing that, right? Like, I don't think we need to punish our body. Um, but that's just kind of how it worked out for me. And it quickly turned into something more. I, I've quickly realized that when I was leaving, my emotions were more regulated. I didn't feel as you know, as so uh, emotionally intense inside, like it was still there, but I felt like 
it was, I could feel the way it was processing a little bit. And so, yeah, just starting for that. And then just kind of learning to navigate my way through the gym. So I've always been a runner. So I never really knew what to do other than just running. And I always just, you know, the weights and the machines and everything. I was just like, oh my gosh, everybody's going to look at me. Like nobody cares really. Everybody at the gym is worried about themselves, but it's just, I think it's a thing that a lot of, especially women, we go to the gym and we're just, we don't know what to do because it's kind of like the man's area. Right. Um, and so I just slowly, I, I hired a coach, um, a fitness coach, uh, and she just helped me navigate the gym and just slowly it just became part of my everyday routine. Like I don't, if I don't work out now, it's, you know, for a few days, like I notice it's harder to sleep and it's just when I get emotionally activated, I literally crave to go run or to dance or to do something physical because our emotions are energy in motion, right? So when we're actually moving our body, we're really processing and moving around those energies. And I get some of my biggest inspirations right after I'm done moving. It's just, I don't know what it is. You just release and you open up and I get all these like downloads in my, and creativity and ideas. And it's just, yeah. So I love that. And I think that's, you know, so often they say when we're in those places of like anxiety and depression, like those lower emotions, like the last thing we want to do is move our body, but it can be so helpful in terms of exactly, like you said, like helping to move those emotions. There's, you know, chemical reactions that are happening when we're moving our body that just have this like natural high that's so helpful. So I totally, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's the most underused uh, antidepressant. Like it truly is just for your natural, your body naturally doing what it's doing. And yeah, it's just, it's so helpful. And, you know, movement doesn't have to be running and, 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 you know, lifting weights and doing these really intense things. It can literally just be like walking, walking, meditation, dance. If you like tennis, if you like to jog or hike or something, right. It's literally just moving, getting your body moving in whatever way feels good for you. It doesn't have to be this high intensive intensity training. So Absolutely. I think COVID has taught us how important like walking outside is. It, mm-hmm. It's just also just being outside, like having that shift in energy. Like I feel like there was a meme or something in the beginning of COVID that's like, now I understand why dogs like dart out the door the second you open <laughs> yeah. Because Absolutely. it's like there's just something to be said for like moving and being outside and fresh air and all of that stuff. So yeah, that's so interesting that that was kind of what was like the Kickstarter. And then you also obviously mentioned human design. And again, mm-hmm. even like feeling kind of out of place in your family sometimes. So I'm just curious, like how human design, you can get into this as much or as little mm-hmm. as you want. Cause I know it's a huge topic, but how it, yeah. it really impacted your life. Yeah. So right. Like after I started working out, then I was, I started with the meditation and the journaling. So I had already kind of begun this trying to find who I was. Um, but yeah, just something wasn't something wasn't clicking. Right. I still had this sense of like, I don't know. I still don't know who I am. Like I'm doing all this journaling, journaling, I'm doing all this meditation. Um, but then I was just kind of like, I still don't get it. Like I had so much, I think subconscious, um, conditioning going on, you know, from childhood, um, you know, our parents do the best they can with what they have. I truly believe that it doesn't invalidate our experience as we grew up. But um, in my family, it was kind of like, don't be emotional. Don't talk about your emotions. You'll be fine. You know, it was always just like, brush it off. You'll be fine. It was never like, how can I support you? What do you need? Um, you know, there was never uh, an understanding that we were different individuals. There was, there was a key, there was an element of enmeshment in my family for sure. Um, and so when I came across my human design, it was just like, I'm a six, three emotional manifesting generator. So for one, the emotional part made so much sense. I just want to, sorry, (laughs) I hate to interrupt you, but Mm -hmm. I just realized we should probably give a super baseline on human design. Okay. So know anything about it. 
So human design, when you pull it, your chart, it kind of looks like it's like this body graph and essentially human design. is just like, it's a blueprint of your energy. Um, it's really like who you are at a soul level. So it's like before conditioning, before life happened, before all of these things. And essentially, yeah, you're just looking at, it's a combination of, um, the chakras, the Kabbalah or the Kabbalah the tree of life, um, the Chinese I Ching, um, astrology and quantum mechanics. And so what you see is essentially the chakra system kind of, uh, you have these, um, centers, these chakras. And so it's just showing you where you create your own energy and where you're taking in energy from others. And of course, anything that, so anything that's in color, you're creating your own energy and anything that's in white, you're taking in and amplifying from others. So typically when we look at this, anything that's in white is essentially going to be areas where you're highly conditioned, right? You're taking in the energy of others and you're amplifying it but it's also an energy that you don't naturally have. You are not creating it. So a lot of times these centers are the places that we want to like fix, right? Like quote unquote fix, because we want to create that energy within ourselves. And so we get it, we amplify it. We feel like it's ours, but then it's not. And so it can be a really confusing place. Um, so those are typically the places that you will really pay most attention to. So uh, when I found my human design chart, like I saw um, you know, I have my identity and my ego. So my heart center, my heart chakra was open. So I was taking in and amplifying this energy from others. So this sense of who am I, I didn't know who I was. So if you have that defined, you're more like, can I be accepted as I am, as opposed to who am I? And so that made so much sense. I was like, wow, like I was navigating all this, you know, all these cultures and people and places. And I just wanted to fit in, but I didn't know where I fit in. Right. Cause I'm but that's a beautiful part of it too, is I was able to really truly tap into and taste all this energy. Um, and so the, the key of human design is coming to this place of wisdom where we can like kind of reflect and shed that conditioning and come into ourselves and our knowing and be like, okay, well, I can see this from a place of like the beautiful energy that I, I am allowed to like tap into in those spaces. Um, and so, so when I finally found my human design, it was just all of this stuff was on paper. Everything that I thought was wrong with me, this, you know, from people being like, oh, you're, you know, I've gotten it before. Like, oh, you're just a follower. And it's like, I just was so interested in what they liked. You know, it's not like I wanted that to be my own, but I wanted to try it to understand why they liked it. But just like little things like that, like all these little like words and phrases that were always like coming through in my life. I was just like, damn, that's just who I am. You know, like there's nothing wrong with that. And so it was just like a beautiful way to like fully accept and embrace myself. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, I love it. I can't do a session. I can't like talk to people without it. Uh, Cause it's just, it's so helpful and really like truly seeing yourself. So. I agree. I, I dabble. <laughs> I'm not like <laughs> super um, like educated in the realm of human design, mostly just like looking into my own chart and stuff, but I agree. It's very validating in a sense mm -hmm. of like feeling like, oh, I like, that really is me. It's, it's like the, obviously there's so many personality type things out there. And I feel like for me, it's the one that's really like wrong, true. Like nothing really yeah. ever doesn't hit just right. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of the other ones, they're kind of adaptable to where you're at in your life. Uh, like they can shift and change. Um, whereas human design is kind of like, it's fixed. It is what it is. And you can, you know, heal within those conditioned areas or those, those open centers. But, um, I also would like to say that like, especially human design, I think, I think sometimes, uh, and I did this too. I, I identified so strongly with it for a while that it became who I was as opposed to being a compliment to who I was. And so I really had to take a step back for a while and really allow it to like integrate. Um, and I, and human design, they say, once you find your human design, it takes seven years to like fully decondition. 
So if you imagine like you've spent all of these years taking in and amplifying this energy and like not even really understanding why or like what it is. So it takes like seven years um, and, and we go in seven year cycles throughout our life. The first seven years of our life is like hugely impactful on who we become. And so, yeah, they say it takes seven years to like fully decondition. So it's a process. And I'm, you know, I'm like two, three years into like my integration of human design and being emotional authority, which just means I have to ride my wave of emotions to make a decision. And even still, I'm just like, it's still a struggle some days. I'm like, I just want to make the decision. Like I want to do it now. Like I, I don't want to wait. <laughs> so it's just, it's an experimentation process. And so if you are interested and you pull your design, human design, just experiment with it, play with it, you know, take it for what it is. And then just take what resonates and leave what doesn't. I love that. And it kind of brings me to the other thing that I wanted to chat with you about, which is Ayurveda, which obviously is, you know, much more than just a personality sort of thing, mm -hmm. but there is that yeah. whole component to it too. So I was wondering of if you could kind of talk through like the Ayurvedic types and let us know like what type you are. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, so I studied um, holistic health and Ayurveda was just Ayurveda and gut health were the two things that really stood out to me. Um, I've been interested in Ayurveda for a while, but it was more just like, yeah, kind of doing the tests online and not really, um, not really integrating them in a huge way, just kind of like having that knowledge in the background. Um, so I literally just started the like intense studies this month. Um, but so yeah, Ayurveda, it, a huge key theme of Ayurveda is this is Agni, which is di digestive fire. So it's all, all traced back to gut health, but there are three, um, types, uh, in Ayurveda it's Vata, Kapha and Pitta. And so Vata is basically like air energy. And I always like relate it to astrology. I don't know. I always see it in my head. Like Vata would be like Gemini, right? Um, Gemini, Aquarius, all these like air signs. Um, so it's really fluid. It's really flowy. If you are Vata, you may have signs of um, just like, you know, like if you think just air qualities in the body, uh, so bloating, gas, those kind of issues, um, lightheadedness or spaciness um, in your mind, that's kind of like all these airy qualities. Pitta is going to be more fire. Um, so think Aries, right? It's like action oriented, go getter. It's going to be like heartburn. We're going to be physical symptoms of it. Um, acne, anything that's going to bring heat. And then you have Kapha, which is like Taurus energy. So it's super grounded, very sensual earth, earthy, um, you know, so heaviness, uh, Kapha types tend to be a little bit heavier. Um, and movement is really important for Kapha types to kind of like balance that out. But that, yeah, that's going to be all that like heaviness. Um, so just for like physical things, yeah, laziness, stubbornness, kind of like all those qualities that we think of when we think of Taurus energy. Um, and so you can find, I tend to look at it. So I've done multiple tests and for a long time, it would come up as tridoshic, which just means I have an equal balance of all three of them. Typically you're one or two, maybe. Um, and the more I like dive into it, the more I think I'm, I'm primarily Vata. Uh, just for the physical symptoms that I have. So the way I look at it a lot of times is just finding what's out of balance, right? So if you have gas, if you have bloating, these are Vata qualities. So how can you balance that out with maybe some Pitta or Kapha, right? To kind of just like even that out. So that's the way, that's the perspective I take on it just from like a health perspective now. It is so, it, Ayurveda is so deep and it's, you know, like the oldest healthcare system in the world. So this is like, I mean, it takes in India, people study it for like seven plus years to become like an actual official doctor. So I'm, you know, I'm obviously in the beginning phase of my knowledge, but that's just the, you know, overview of that. So. Yes. I actually, I talk often about how kind of like my path to what I'm doing now started with a naturopathic doctor, but he's, mm. he was actually Ayurvedic and naturopathic. Okay. Um, and I'm Pitta, which rang super true from like yeah. the minute that I read every description about it. Um, and yeah, I think it's when they say like, 
Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, no. They say, uh, when you are beginning your healing journey in Ayurveda, you always have to deal with Vata first because it's the most powerful one. Um, it's just, it needs to be in balance. It needs to be regulated, um, before anything else. So if you are like feeling any of those symptoms, definitely look at that, but yeah. Awesome. And then I think it's interesting. And I do kind of want to touch on it because I like to make things as like understandable as possible for people to try and implement them in their lives. So I feel like in the beginning, you mentioned like starting to like how you were outsourcing a lot of your decisions to other people, your open G center, all of that, and how you're really working on trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. And then we are talking about all of these like ideologies. So like mm-hmm. human design, astrology, Ayurveda, like, and you've mentioned like integrating them, like your relationship to them. So I'm just kind of curious. Cause I think sometimes people can almost get like you were saying dogmatic about one thing mm-hmm. and it's almost like they latch onto it and it's them outsourcing to yeah. that ideology. So kind of like, how would you explain it to someone of a way to implement one of these things that it's like complementary to their life and just helping to empower them as opposed to being like, yeah. So for sure, like in the beginning, I absolutely did that. Like I was, that's why I like dove in head first with, our, with uh, human design and then the holistic health. And I was just like, became obsessive over it. But over time, like I learned, I think if, if pay attention to your body, right. If something doesn't feel right, like notice what that actually feels like in your physical body, whether it's like a constriction in your chest or something like these are things that like now I've, I pay attention to. So if I'm learning something and it doesn't feel good, like human design got to the point where I was just feeling that tightness. I was feeling that there was something there that I was disconnected with. And so I just, I left it. Right. So it's like, if you're learning something, if you are, if you're identifying with something, is it expanding you? like really pay, like in journaling is huge. It's so helpful. I recommend everybody to journal. I journal in the morning and I journal at night just, and some days it's literally just bullet points of like, this is what I did today, or this is how I felt. Like, I just don't feel like journaling, but it's so helpful in times like that, where if I'm learning something, if I'm diving into Ayurveda and I, something doesn't like sit right, or I don't feel good, or it's really allows you to kind of come back to that and question why you know, like what am I identifying too much with this? Am I allowing this to run my life? Or is it just, you know, is there another factor in there? Is there something like the, what is the root cause of it? So I think like really tapping into yourself and being honest with yourself is so important when you are learning these things to kind of continue to come back to yourself and your knowing and allow them to be a compliment to who you are instead of allowing them to be who you are. So that's, that was always helpful for me. Yes. And I think that's something that people struggle with. Cause I mean, we're all like, so everyone loves a personality yeah. sometime, like mm-hmm. something that you can identify yeah. with. And then, yes, I feel like we can get like overly attached to those things or feel like what something's good or something's bad or so mm-hmm. exactly like you said, like letting it be complimentary. And yeah. I'm curious you like obviously being so open to all of these different things. And I feel like a lot of it comes down to like, just how individual everybody is how does that kind of affect, I know you're a mom, um, like how your parenting style is. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like probably again, obviously everyone's parents are doing their best, but all of these more like individualized, um, takes on how different everybody is, I feel like is definitely expanding as an idea in the last you know, decade or so more mm-hmm. so than, you know, when you or I were growing up. Yeah. Um, so of course I know my kids human design. So I do like kind of relate back to that and just like their personality and what they need. And even though like sometimes my daughter's 11 and my son is five. So especially my five-year-old, he doesn't really understand. Like my daughter's kind of getting to the place where I feel like I've kind of, 
I always ask them when they ask me what they should do, or if there's an issue, I'm just like, what do you feel like you need? Or like, how can I support you? Granted, I am not perfect. I sometimes lose my shit on them. And I'm just like, you guys, (laughs) you know what I mean? So like, I really, but I always try and like, come back to them and just be like, listen, like, what do you need? Like, you're angry. Can we talk about it? I'm just, I'm always trying to have them use their words. Um, my son, if anyone's familiar sorry, if anyone's familiar with astrology, my son is, um, he's a Scorpio rising. And so Scorpio is kind of deep, dark, intense, passionate. Um, you know, they're very emotional, but they like to keep it hidden. And when you have a Scorpio rising, there tends to be a lot of karma there. Um, and so I can just, he tends to go towards outbursts a lot. Like he will get upset and then throw things or hit, or, um, you know, he just, he has these outbursts. And so I always just try and come back and be like, listen, you're allowed to be angry, but can we talk about it instead of being destructive? Like, what is the, you know, granted in the moment, it is so frustrating. Like sometimes I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, I don't know. What do I do? (laughs) What do I do right now? Um, but I always just try and kind of come back because for me having that emotional, having that conversation, I never felt like I was okay to feel. I always felt like the feelings that I had were wrong. I was wrong for feeling them. I was weird. Or I was just like the oddball. Like I never understood why I felt so isolated and so different. And so I really just try. I think that is my key thing in my parenting style. It's just like, your feelings are okay. Can we talk about it? Like, what do you need? Um, again, like I said, I don't always succeed in that. Sometimes I get frustrated. And of course, like conditioning, like I, you know, the way I received love, it tends to, uh, what's the word I'm like, it tends to like paint the way that you get that from others. Right. Which is tends to be like, when I look at my relationships, like why I ended up in toxic relationships, because that's sort of like controlling, telling me what to do. To me, I perceive that as the way that somebody loves me, right. Being told what to do was, it was a form of love. And so sometimes in moments with my kids, I, you know, we do kind of go back to the inner child when we're triggered and we're just like, Oh, you know, so it's just having awareness as a parent and then just allowing them to be individuals. Cause I think that's important. I don't want to tell them who to be. I don't want them to be a version of them that I think is acceptable, you know? Cause like, I know how hard that is to, to undo. And so I just try and really be like, you know, open and accepting to whatever it is that they want to come forward and tell me about. So. Absolutely. And I love that we're kind of like back onto the topic of emotions. Cause obviously mm-hmm. that's what your podcast yeah. is about and everything. <laughs> so I'd love for you to just kind of dive a little bit deeper into like what that mission of the podcast is, how you've grown in that emotional. I know we kind of touched on in the beginning, mm-hmm. but focus a little bit more on the emotional. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, I just, I have, I'm a highly emotional person. Um, I just, everything I'm an um, empath. Like I'm so tapped into like the emotional energy of others. I can literally, like if somebody walks into a room and something's off, like I feel it. And so for so long, I just, I always felt that I just took it on as my own. Um, and it wasn't always necessarily my own, uh, and growing up. Yeah. I just, I wasn't allowed to be emotional. Um, from a human design perspective, I'm emotionally defined. My entire family is undefined. So they didn't understand my emotions. So realistically what was happening was I was in a wave of an emotion. I would walk into the room. They were taking it and amplifying it, but then projecting it right back to me. And because I can also, um, uh, kind of like a deeper layer of human design is something called cognition. And it's kind of like your superpower. It's just a way to tap into maybe if you can't make a decision, um, it's just something that's heightened within you. And so for me, it's feeling, so I literally can like penetrate the energy around me. I can take that in and feel it. And so it was just like kind of always projected back onto me. And so I went from, you know, being in a family of people who didn't really necessarily understand or appreciate emotions to them being in relationships with people who definitely didn't want me to be emotional. Right. Um, and so I just like, I was so confused and I was so, 
I got to the point where I just like, I kind of shut it down for a long time. I was so proud of myself. Like I was the one who you would not catch me crying. Right. But like inside it was so painful. Cause it was just, I just, I was, it was like a storm, but I didn't have a way to express it because that was always shown to be unsafe. Um, and so when I finally left that last marriage and I was starting to find myself and I opened up this side of me that allowed me to be emotional, I cried every single day. It was so overwhelming. I didn't know. And I didn't understand how to shut it off. Right. So it was like, it went from not, not feeling I air quote it because I felt intensely, but I couldn't express it. I couldn't show it. I couldn't talk about it. So I just shoved it down, um, to then allowing that door to be open. And it was just like, yeah, I had no tools to self-regulate. I was seeing a therapist at this point. So that was helpful being able to go into an office to somebody and them kind of be able to guide me to like ways to, you know, process it, whether it's EMDR therapy, um, just like different tools that kind of like helped me meditation was something that came up. And so I started meditating, journaling, reflecting, and like, they would always ask me, what do you want? What are your values? And I literally didn't, I didn't know. I had no idea who I was. Um, and so I feel like once I kind of felt like I had my footing a little bit, I started the podcast because for me, my voice was always the place that I just, I couldn't ever express myself. I couldn't speak up for myself. I couldn't express my emotions. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't like just voice my opinion. Um, I was always felt like I was shamed for it. And so, yeah, the podcast just kind of started as like literally like a journal. I would just go on and talk about things. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't market it. I didn't like promote on Instagram, like nothing. It was just, I would record, I would throw it out there and I would just like close my eyes and be like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, I don't know if anyone's going to listen or not. Um, and then it just like, it always like kind of cycled back to that as I gained more tools to self-regulate. Um, I, after I left my marriage, I was single for two years and then I started dating and I really quickly fell into this codependent, um, pattern with a specific person. And this person was like super healthy. So I'm so grateful that for that, they really showed me like that people can, that men can be safe and healthy and supportive, um, but very emotionally unavailable. And so it was a really interesting lesson for me, but I spent like a year just like cycling through these super intense emotions with this person. Um, so that taught me a lot to kind of like come back to myself and to not, it showed me how I was still people pleasing. It showed me all these patterns I was still caught in. Um, yeah. And then I just, I, you know, when it comes to the podcast, I just like always kind of cycled back to it. And so it just got to the point this past year where I was like, you know what, this is so important to me. And this, this, this mission, this, this, you know, what I have to say, I feel like can help so many people because I just look at my path and where I came from and to where I am now. And I still have a long ways to go. I think we're all ever growing and changing and learning and shifting. Um, but yeah, just from the space of literally, like I would ask if I had to make a decision, doesn't matter how small, it, small it was, I would ask everybody around me what I should do. And I would never listen to myself. So then when I did something and it failed, I could blame somebody else. Oh, well, you know, Sally said to do this, that is her fault instead of actually listening to myself. Right. So it comes with like a lot of risk. You have to take responsibility for yourself. Um, and so now I just make it a point to just like, if I have to make a decision, I meditate, I journal, I make my own decision. I don't even tell anybody about it. I don't ask for anybody's opinion anymore. Um, because a lot of people, friends, family, very well-intentioned and they want to help you. And in doing so they tell you what to do. Um, and it can be really confusing, but that was a long-winded way to <laughs> discuss, yeah. you know, how my emotions have kind of just, yeah, how it's evolved and yeah, whatever I think that's amazing. And I think emotions are. I mean, obviously something that I feel like we don't really talk about all that much. Mm -hmm. It's still like a little bit yeah. of a taboo topic. So 
I mean, I think people will definitely be able to relate to this, you know, whether if they're super, you know, as emotional as you are or somewhere in the middle, we are obviously all guilty of not expressing ourselves fully and holding back and probably, you know, not handling our emotions well. So I'd love to hear, you did mention some things like journaling and meditation, like, is there anything else or like the, the top couple of things that you would say, like really helped to shift that and that you're still doing consistently? Yeah. So for me, I think the top three things that I do consistently every day is movement, meditation, and journaling. Those like without a doubt are in my every day. Like if I'm feeling emotionally dysregulated or just activated and I, and I'm feeling confused or anything, I always come back to those three things because they really help me tap into myself into my knowing and trust myself and kind of, and they give you like a confidence, especially like working out. I feel like movement, it just kind of gives you this, I don't know, like when I run, um, and running isn't for everybody. I fully, uh, you know, I, I know that, but like, for me, it's like when I get into that space, when I run and I'm like, you know, breaking a record for a personal record, cause I'm not competitive. I don't, you know, but it just, it, it's really empowering. And then I can just be in my mind. I'm like, you got this, you got 30 more seconds. You got this. And so it's literally, I feel like for, you know, 30 minutes, of, if I'm running for 30 minutes, it's literally 30 minutes of like affirmations. I'm just like constantly in my head. If I have like a thought where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm like, no, you got this. You got this. You can do it. You know? So that is like really helpful for me. Um, and then, yeah, just like meditation and journaling and reflection breath work is helpful. Um, I've recently gone really deep into like EFT tapping, just like reading the science behind it and like why it works. So I think I'm really experimenting with combining EFT tapping and, um, Lacey Phillips to be magnetic work. So I'm kind of just like playing with that a little bit, but there are so many tools. Um, and I think it's really just experimenting with them and seeing what works for you and what doesn't like I have tried, like if anybody along the way has told me it'll work, like I've tried it. Um, but those are just the three things that I've always cycled back to that have been consistent and just every single day help me. I love that. And I would totally agree. I'm definitely a big journaler needs to get better with meditation. <laughs> I, I'm one of those people that like, does it, but am I doing it? Like I, yeah. I way about it. And definitely you are though. Yes. That's what everybody yeah. says. So yeah, there is no right and wrong. And I think I know for, for so long, like when I first started, um, I'd say my mind was always and even now, like I can't, there's, there are times where my mind isn't calm, right. It's, it's turbulent. It's, but I think the key with meditation is like observing those thoughts, allowing them. And then in that space, when you're there, just being able to be like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. And then just kind of like digging into it, letting it play out. Cause I think a lot of times we do, we want to shut it down. We have a negative thought and we're like, no, stop. Instead of just like seeing it through to like what, what wants to come out. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's meditation is sometimes it's just thinking, right. We're going to cycle through these like toxic thoughts. Even if we do that for five minutes, it's still meditation. Cause you're still gaining some sort of insight and you're still, I think like a lot of times with it too, it's like the sitting still, like when I do yoga, which is, uh, that's another, um, I do yoga a few times a week, um, which is so helpful for so many reasons, but I, at, during Shavasana. So at the end of your yoga practice, you typically stay, you lay down for like, I don't know, two to five minutes, depending on the teacher. Um, and you can hear, uh, it's always funny to me, like how many people like can't even stay still. It's like, they'll move or they'll cough or they'll like shift around or they sit up or a lot of people just like not a lot, but there are like a handful of people that will sometimes leave before Shavasana or leave in the middle of it. Um, and it's just really interesting. It's just sitting with yourself for like two to five minutes, you know, it's sometimes very challenging. And so just accomplishing that, just literally sitting, if it's two minutes on the floor or in your bed, that in itself is huge. So, yeah, I love that. And I love that you said that, like, sometimes it is okay to just like, let the thought go. Cause I think that's, 
I'm always in the mindset of like, oh, I need to like, I need to have my mind clear, mm-hmm. which I mean is like next to impossible. But <laughs> I like the idea of like, as long as you're, you know, breathing, sitting down, taking the time, like you're going to get like some drop in from mm-hmm. it most likely. Absolutely. And I think it was Jay Shetty who said it. Um, but he said like during monk training, it's like the first thing that they teach them is to control their breath, you know? Cause it's like, if you can control your breath, you can control your life. And so, yeah, even during meditation, even if you're just focusing on your breath, like having those deep inhales and deep exhales that again, that is so powerful because that translates into like a stressful work situation. Or if you're having a fight with your partner, being able to stop and just like notice your breath pattern and like how quickly you're breathing and just being able to slow it down. Just that like two second shift is huge. So. I love that. And that was actually perfect segue into what I was going (laughs) to want to ask you about next is like, obviously you've done a lot of transforming in the last few years. Like how has that impacted the relationships with people that have been around since before that, like your family? Um, it's been interesting. I think for a long time, I, I am, and I'm sure you can tell from this episode, like I'm very into the woo woo, right? Like I'm, I'm so like deeply spiritual. And that is something that I never allowed myself to be. Um, again, growing up, I grew up in Dubai in the middle East. And so there was a lot of Buddhism, a lot of Hinduism, you know, there was Islam, there was Christianity, there was a lot of different religions, but I always gravitated towards the spiritual. Um, and you know, my family was Roman Catholic, so it was just kind of like the opposite end of it. So being open about everything I was going through was kind of, was really difficult with my family in the beginning, because I just, they're very um, practical. They're not very spiritual. You know, my brother doesn't believe in anything. And so it's kind of hard to have those conversations. Um, So I think it had to come to, for me in my journey, it was like coming to that space of like, just acceptance, complete acceptance of everybody as they are. I'm not trying to push my feelings on you or my beliefs on you. Um, but then it's also setting the boundaries to expect the same in return. Cause a lot of times it would be like, they would try and convince me out of it. And I'm like, no, no, I don't do that to you. So let's, so it was a lot of boundary setting. Um, and you know, it's always interesting with your family because I think I lost um, a good amount of friends along the way in just, you know, whether it was exploring sobriety and them not feeling like they could hang out with me because I don't drink, um, or just having differing viewpoints. Uh, some people, especially I think since 2016, there's been the political climate has been crazy and I don't dabble in politics. I don't watch the news. I don't want to know. I have my own beliefs. Um, but I think, you know, as a lot of people experienced, uh, during the 2016 elections, a lot of people lost friends, uh, because of differing political viewpoints. So that was, um, just kind of like staying out of that, but still, I think just, yeah. So just setting boundaries, um, know that when you, I think when you come on the path and you start learning and healing, you are going to lose friends, right? You are going to lose people in your life because you are coming true to yourself and you're standing in your worth and you're knowing. And a lot of times when you change, I'll say change, but really you're coming back to yourself. Right. Um, but they perceive it as like you're changing and you don't want to be, you know, so that it's easier to kind of just like break that. So that's kind of hard. Um, that was definitely, uh, but you know, from the higher perspective, were those people really friends anyway? Um, obviously family is different because you don't really get to choose your family. So yeah, I would just say boundaries, um, communication. I still, I still struggle sometimes in communicating certain things to my family. Um, like my podcast, I don't really talk to them about it. Um, I don't really let them know. Cause for me, it's, it's an outlet to be able to talk about the experiences that I have. And I feel like there's an element of, um, their perspective they believe is true is truth is, is all over truth. And so I feel like 
in that sometimes I'm not allowed to have my experiences because it's not the same experiences as they have. Um, I've gotten into a few conversations with my brother that are interesting more recently. And, and we've had the understanding that we have different parents, you know, like he's grown up a certain way and he's a certain, he's a certain way himself and they react to him differently than they react to me. So that's been kind of really cool um, to have that. But yeah, I would just say boundaries and just understanding that there's nothing wrong with you, right? Like your, your experiences are valid. Your feelings are valid. And if it's not a safe space to have that conversation, then it's not a safe space to have that conversation. And you find people in your life that it is safe with. I love that. And I think that acceptance is such a huge part. And I think that's when other people are more open to learning about new things and trying new things when it's not coming from a place of like, us trying to convince them to feel a certain way or open their eyes to a certain thing, because especially I'm sure they see such an amazing transformation in you. Part of them has to be a little curious as Mm -hmm. to like what that really means and, you know, how anyone could benefit from, like you said, not changing, but actually being who you really are shedding Mm -hmm. the things that you're not. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, it's like, it's like when I think about my kids or, or, you know, being a parent, it's like your kids learn more from what you actually do than by what you say. And so I think it's the same thing, like whether it's family or, um, my, my dad is, you know, he's getting a little bit older and I think he, I think his, um, mortality has very much like come up recently. And so he's gotten redone as well. Um, and my mom's like all freaked out about it, but we were sitting outside one time and, um, he was like, yeah, he's like, I made you basically, I don't know what the, I forget what the term is, but basically like if he were to be on a, um, breathing machine, I would be the one to make the decision to pull the plug. And my mom was just, she got all upset about it. And he like, kind of like leaned into me and he was like, you know, I chose you. Cause I know that you'd know when, when the time was right. And I was like, that was really like, really moved me because I feel like he truly does see that. I understand that there's so much more beyond this life. And I could c- approach it from that perspective. Not that it would be easy. You know what I mean? But like, I thought that was just like you said, it's like that we have such differing viewpoints and perspectives and beliefs, but yet there's still that understanding of like, he sees, he sees me, you know, even if he doesn't say it. So very validating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow. I mean, so I could talk to you all day about this stuff. (laughs) Um, and I know I love to ask people about their habits and I know that we've gotten into like, Mm -hmm. again, meditation, movement, journaling, is there any other habits that are, you know, part of your morning or nightly routines that are just like non-negotiables? Yeah. Um, so recently it's been lemon water. So I'm, I love coffee as I'm like sitting here with like a massive cup of coffee, but I do, I, I genuinely love coffee. I love like the whole sensory experience of it. The smells, I like literally added cinnamon in it this morning. Even my son was like, Oh, you got cinnamon in there, but I've started doing lemon water before I have coffee. Um, it's really good for your system. But for me, like habits, routines, like I just, yeah, I wake up in the morning. First thing I do is journal. Um, and then I'll have, now I do my lemon water, but usually then I have my, um, coffee, I think those are just really the biggest pieces. I just try and make sure I get those in during my day and just really just listen to myself and what I need. You know, if like someday I'm really, really resistant to meditation, like sometimes that's the thing that we need, but also like give yourself grace, right? Like if you really just are not into it today, it doesn't have to be so structured. Um, I think there can be like fluidity within that and just experiment and finding what works for you. Like I said, I'm always trying new things and cause some of them stick, some of them don't like, I love tarot cards, but I can't be consistent with them. That's like, you know, so we're all, we're all like different in that way. But yeah, I would say those, those are definitely the biggest ones for me. Yes. And I love what you said too, about like the meditation, like it's always that, like 
it, do I not want to do it when I really need to do it? Or do I really mm-hmm. just not want to do it? I actually just recorded a, a solo episode on this exact topic and kind of how, again, like you get to the point where you trust yourself and you just, mm-hmm. you know, like you can tell which one it is if you're mm-hmm. really honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. But again, that comes with like time and practice and tuning in to those things. So I yeah. think really yeah. big. Thing. And I think even if you are resisting like really hard, like just 60 seconds, you know what I mean? Like we can all give like 60 seconds and then you'll know. Cause like, sometimes I'll do that and I'll be like, oh yeah, like I, this is the thing that I need. And then I can turn off my timer and go for longer. Right. Or like, sometimes it's literally just like, that's all I have the patience for. And it's like, okay, just get in bed, you know, like whatever else it is that I was trying to distract myself with, just, just let it, you know, let it come. So. Absolutely. And lemon water is like one of my, yeah. number one, so I love oh, it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Um, and the, uh, one thing that I ask everyone who comes on the show is what is one toxic thing that you've released that's had a major impact on your life? Oh, so many things. Um, I would say toxic relationships recently for sure. Um, and that has been a lifelong lesson and I don't know that I've gotten it like perfect. Um, but yeah, just coming back to myself and trusting myself, letting go of the opinions of others, letting go of the need for validation outside of myself. Um, and I think that just naturally translates into, you're not going to have as many toxic relationships because you're not seeking that from the outside. Absolutely. So important. And I would love now for you just to kind of like plug yourself, like how can people work with you, find you, follow you, listen to your podcast, all that stuff. Absolutely. So it's the emotional mastery podcast. Uh, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts, um, Apple, <laughs> iTunes, Spotify. Um, I'm on Instagram at Rochelle.Christian. Um, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-E. Um, and I do one-on-one sessions. I have a community space. So if you work with me in any capacity, um, whether it's um, a package session or a one-on-one session, you'll also have access to the community space. Um, and that's really just like my space to like manifesting generate, you know, my manifesting generator, all of my passions and, and loves are kind of like all into that space. Um, but yeah, I'm most active on Instagram. So over there dabbling a little bit in TikTok, but you know, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm the generation that's just like a little bit too old for it. So I never really understand how it works, but other than that, All right. Well, great. And this was so much fun talking to you. I'm sure people will get so much out of this episode and just thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so wonderful. This was such a good one. I hope you guys got so much out of this conversation and I am going to summarize the takeaways. Number one, movement is a natural antidepressant. Emotions are energy in motion, and when we move, we can better process and move through them. And we often have our best ideas after we've done some kind of movement. Number two, human design is a great tool to help you accept who you are and stop feeling like there's something wrong with you for being different than the other people in our lives. Number three, ideologies are best viewed as a complement to what you already know about yourself. You don't wanna be too dogmatic about it and take what you feel like really resonates with you and just leave what doesn't. Number four, when it comes to parenting, knowing that everyone is individual is really important because you can help them to use their words and know that it's safe to feel their feelings and to express them to you as their parent. Number five, we often outsource our decisions to others because we want someone else to blame if it doesn't go well. But when we truly trust ourselves, we can make a decision and stand by ourselves regardless of the outcome. Number six, top three things to regulate your emotions are movement, meditation, and journaling every single day. They can really help you to tap into yourself and boost your confidence. 
Number seven, acceptance, boundaries, and communication are key to maintaining a healthy relationship with really anyone, but especially people who are very, very different from you. And number eight, to ditch toxic relationships, you have to learn to let go of needing the approval and validation of others and giving that approval and validation to yourself instead. Again, I hope you guys got so much out of this. I really loved this conversation and I hope you're getting a lot out of the show in general. If you are, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Please reach out on Instagram at the.detox.diaries. Drop me a DM. Let me know if you're liking the show, any ideas of other topics you'd like me to talk about or guests you'd like me to bring on. And of course, really the best way to support the show is to share with a friend or to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm so, so happy to have you here and I will see you on the next one. Bye.